0: She's Sean, J. Will, and Max, the podcast. Check the guys out live weekday mornings from 6 to 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio. John Gruden,
1: in a statement, said, quote, I resigned as head coach of the Las Vegas Raiders. I love the Raiders. I do not want to be a distraction. Thank you to all the players, coaches, and staff, and fans of Raider Nation. I'm sorry I never meant to hurt anyone. Raiders owner Mark Davis released a statement, quote, I've accepted John Gruden's resignation. As head coach of the Las Vegas Raiders. The emails were sent while John Gruden was working for Monday Night Football as a lead analyst. An ESPN spokesman said in a statement, quote, the comments are clearly repugnant under any circumstance. Uh, Keyshawn Johnson, your reaction to the resignation of John Gruden for whom you played at one point in your career?
2: You know, I'm, I'm not surprised. Um... At all. I mean, resignation, fire, whatever you want to call it, what whatever the case may be. Typically, uh, most people, when they resign from something, it's because they have something else that they want to keep their record clean and move on to. I think in terms of football and whatnot, he's done, he's finished, as far as that goes. Uh, in the situation overall, you know, I never thought that I would have to address these issues with coach Gruden at all. If somebody said to me, Oh, he's, he, he, you know, he's a fraud or he's always talking out of both sides. So he tells you one thing and does another, I would say, yeah, Oh yeah, for sure. hundred percent. I would pre-warn you of that. But the, 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 just the, the nature of the emails and the total disrespect is just, I don't even, I can't even put it into words to be honest with you though, Max, it's just kind of like, it's disappointing one, it's ridiculous two. Uh to know that you feel a certain way about people. And, and I know he says, hey, he hurt people and he's not a racist and all those sort of things. All that may be true, but I do know what I read. I do know what I've seen. And I do know that that's out there, the emails are out there. And that's because they came from your email and not somebody else's. You didn't, your email didn't get hacked. Can't tell that story. You know that story, oh, my email got hacked. That, can't do that and so you know in the end the Raiders in the league did the right thing and that's really all you could say to it. I mean there's really nothing else more to say Jay this um
3: the league got it right and when information like that comes out um you know well actually here's the thing I John Gruden resigning is different than the league getting it right right John Gruden resigning. It, this conversation kind of just, it, 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 it kind of expands for me, though, because, you see, I, I don't want to let the NFL off the wrap here. This is an investigation about the Washington football team. There have been a lot of things over the 600,000-plus emails that have not been leaked, but yet this has been leaked about John Gruden, which deservingly so. I'm just curious what else will come out. Will we see emails about Daniel Snyder? This has been a league for a long time, and has allowed a lot of behavior to be tolerated, a lot of behavior to be tolerated. So, if we're taking action on this, let's take action on a lot of other behavior that has been tolerated. That's my thing. Like, if you're going to set this tone, but it's not the league setting the tone, it's John Gruden resigning. That's where it gets intriguing to me. So, like, what is it? Like, is it the pressure from outside people that force these things to happen, or is the league actually saying no, or is it le- the league that? This has been the one leaking this stuff. I mean, I'm I'm asking real questions here. I'm trying to figure it out.
1: ESPN NFL front office office insider Mike Tannenbaum is with us. Uh, Mike, how surprised were you about how quickly this all unfolded?
4: Yeah, very very much so. Look, I was shocked and disappointed. I couldn't believe what happened as everybody else. And, you know, on Friday night, you're thinking, like, all right, is he going to be suspended? Is he going to take a leave of absence? You know, after the first initial emails came out, and then, wow, by Monday afternoon, when the story broke yesterday, it was incredible. And then it was – obviously, he's out, and I'm sure Park Davis went into the building and said, hey, you're not going to be here anymore. You you have two choices. You can either resign or we're letting you go. Obviously, he took the resignation, as Key said, for probably other reasons. Um, but I was floored, Max, to see how quickly the story went from Friday to Monday.
1: You know, Key, you touched on an issue of, in the in the first hour or the second hour of this show, white privilege, Right. Look, I want to address that for a second. We're, we're a, a, an idea that kind of is adjacent to that idea. There is a lack of humility that I see from people in positions of power in the NFL, and in this case, they are white, Because this also touches on race because of the nature of at least one of the emails sent from John Gruden, a powerful coach, to Bruce Allen, a powerful executive with another team in the NFL. The, there's a lack of humility displayed that we ask from players in a league that is what percentage African-American, 70% or something like that. We ask players to show humility all the time, right? Stay in your lane, sacrifice for the team, but also acknowledge your shortcomings constantly and, and, and sacrifice and everything. It reminds me of Daniel Snyder. You brought up the Washington football team Jay, because it's interesting how this was really an investigation into them. This leaks about Gruden, and it leaks about Gruden until all the focus is on him, and he. Re- and now no one's talking about Washington, or I guess we are, because you brought it up. But Daniel Snyder, I remember the level of arrogance with which he used to talk about, he's never changing the name of this team, and da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Um, and it reminds me of John Gruden, that kind of sense of entitlement, that I could do what I want. John Gruden saying... He called D. Smith, and he's sorry, but like I, I don't want to keep addressing this. And, Key, you brought up, well, you're mm-hmm. going to keep addressing it. You don't get yeah. to decide when. But there's a basic sensibility that that I don't have to show the same humility as a, in this case, white person in a position of power in the league that we ask for from from the players all the time. Like, I, you know, you can't well, – you, 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 I'll hold myself accountable. You're not going to hold me can accountable. I give
3: you the exact example uh, – exact example of that where he said hey look i'm sorry his tone was way off by the way it was a little bit more of an author- authoritative tone yeah. right instead of somebody that was obviously talking from a level of contrition and then he said uh, after he said i'm sorry he then said key well i feel very good about what i stand for you're like well don't you can't those things contradict itself
1: yeah, you might feel good about yourself, but maybe not at this moment. You don't
3: not feel the so good about yourself. Not the time to say yourself. that you feel good about what but you see, stand you for, gotta, obviously, when other things were happening before, that it didn't put you in the light to feel good about what you stood for.
2: Max, so you, you, you talk about white privilege and such, right? The, let's take out let, – Mike, let's look at the timeline of Coach Gruden's career as a, as a coach. You think about how fast he climbed the ranks, okay? He was an offensive coordinator with the Philadelphia Eagles – Okay, and then he went from with Ray Rhodes and then he became the head coach, a young head coach, very young. Al Davis hired him very, very young. I think he might have been 35 or something like that with the Raiders. And it had some success early with Rich Gannon in the Tuck Rule game in New England. Then we get him and bring him to Tampa Bay. We pay eight million dollars, two draft picks later, the same year that we get him, we win the Super Bowl. Now he's the toast to the town. He's the he's you know Chucky. He's a, he's to the point where Chucky dolls are, and he's he Chucky. You know, at one point upon a time, he in one of our meetings he said they can wait till Chucky comes out and and you know and fired up. So he started believing in his own hype. He started believing in that, and then he gets fired eventually. And guess what happens? He gets the premier job in all of broadcasting on ESPN's Monday Night Football. Think about that. Monday Night Football, the premier job, in my opinion, in all of sports on television. And then all of a sudden, he's built up to being bigger than what he's supposed to be because he did a good job on Monday night. Then the Raiders decide to move on from Jack Del Rio, who was doing a terrific job by way, Reggie McKenzie, who happened to be an African American at the time, was the general manager. Okay, he's an African American. Was the general manager of the team? In comes Gruden. He gets rid of. He gets rid of McKenzie, who did a good job at building the team. Dismantles the team. Gets all the power. Gets hundred million dollars. That doesn't happen to anybody but white privilege. Let's be honest. Doesn't well, I mean, listen. The, the
1: the stereotype once upon a time about black quarterbacks was they couldn't lead, right? Well, and what, that's whatever been, the case, and that myth has been exploded. But, but there whatever is whatever
2: that myth is being no uh, Max. Yeah, they gave him the power to do whatever right, he wanted right. to what do. Right. What I'm saying
1: is now the, that's moved, and it's all still a pernicious kind of stereotype. But it's it's less spoken about. And I think nowadays what we're seeing is a shift to the front office, and, well, we're really looking for offensive coordinators. Not a lot of African-American offensive coordinators. And when they are, where they are, they're not getting offered head coaching jobs.
2: Well, they're going to move the goalposts. Right. It was was, Uh, once upon a time, Mike, as you know, Tannenbaum, it was about offense, defensive coordinators. And then all of a sudden, it was special teams with Joe Judge. It was like because Harbaugh did a good job at special teams and became one of the great head coaches, and then all of a sudden, you got to be a special teams court they threw that in there too yeah. you know it's just it's just weird but they gave him a lot of power they gave him a lot of power and because of that he felt invincible that's why he could issue statements like he issued mind you and I don't even know I don't even know if people have touched up on this The Raiders have the first openly gay NFL player on a 53 man roster it, 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 that, that that's even crazier to me. Yeah, and, and really, just to move the story forward, we're talking
4: about making progress with uh, hiring Minaris. There are three unbelievably interesting candidates to me that the four of us were talking in January. Todd Bowles, defensive coordinator of the Buccaneers, been a head coach with the Jets. That unit's playing incredible. Eric bien offensive coordinator. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. How about Vance Joseph, guys? The only undefeated team right now in the NFL is the Arizona Cardinals. I've worked with VJ. He's an unbelievable coach, former player, he- former head coach of the Broncos, that defense is playing great, so there's three. Well, actually, there's,
2: there's four. Leslie Frazier.
4: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great point. Uh, you can put Leslie Frazier into that group, uh, given how well the Buffalo Bill defense is playing. So there's four guys that really have great credentials by any indice that should be strongly considered to be a head coach. And if the four of us were sitting here in January, hopefully we're going to see meaningful progress where they'll have every opportunity. And maybe, and you could throw in jobs like. USC key, right? Like there's yeah. going to be some marquee oh, yeah. jobs in college. There's always going to be at least a half a dozen openings in the NFL, and there's a number of African American candidates. But will candidates. they,
2: Mike? But will they get the same type of entitlement to have all control and power as John? We grew know up the out. answer. No, right. no to well, that. well no, hold on a second. I, that always comes
4: to that. down to, to leverage, though, right? Like John used his leverage appropriately. So if I'm Eric Bieniemy or if I'm his agent and I have a chance to be the head coach of, you know, the New York Giants. And I'm saying to John Mara, all right, if you want me to take Daniel Jones to the next level, for me to leave Patrick Mahomes and the situation I'm in, I need seven years. I need $10 million a year and absolute full control. And if you don't give it to me, I'm good because I'm making $3 million a year as the OC of Kansas City. I have a chance to win the Super Bowl every year. And they're going to need to leverage their platforms the way John Gruden did when he said, hey, I'm in Monday Night Football. For me to leave, I need $100 million. So at the time and place, some of these guys, Todd Bowles, same thing. Todd's like, why would I leave Tom Brady unless I get everything I want? Oh, come to think
2: of it, we forgot about Byron Lefridge.:
1: Yeah, yep. that's right. Yep. We'll continue to talk about John Gruden throughout the show. Keyshawn J. Max presented by Progressive Insurance. Pet protection comes free with auto collision coverage. Visit Progressive.com. ESPN NFL front office insider Mike Tannenbaum joining us in studio. Okay, now let's talk about the only thing I really care about on the field in football, (laughs) and that's my beloved New York football giants. Mike, I understand this may be delicate for you because there is a community or fraternity sometimes, at least uh, association with other... GMs and former GMs, and everyone talks about what a good person Dave Gettleman is and everything. I'm a Giants fan. How do they handle this situation with Gettleman, who is in year four and will have another losing season? There's a 100% chance of that. He will have another losing
4: season. This is a hard evaluation, guys, because you're going to have to. I'm hard pressed to find a better quarterback for the Giants right now than Dan Jones. So I think he's doing a really good job. I think he's getting better. We can criticize Dave. He is a friend. He is a cancer survivor. He is well-liked. I would say this, though. They're missing seven starters on offense. It's hard to evaluate the performance of Joe Judge or Dave Gellman. And one thing that is – After four uh, years? After three and a half years? But, but hold on a second. They Blake Martinez was the quarterback of the defense. Now, James Barberry is playing poorly. Leonard Williams isn't the same guy. I think Aziz Ojalari will be really good long-term. But my point is, like, how do you evaluate this team when they're missing seven starters?
3: So, so, Mike, if you were John Mara, you would say, okay, this year is a wash, essentially, for Dave Gettleman, considering that we have so many players injured right now? Mike? Well, I, I like, to me – I'm just curious, if you're on a team, and like you're yeah. year, year four with Dave Gettleman – Obviously, the O-line is something that people have needed. You felt like they wanted to address. I like the talent, but it feels like the talent is underwhelming to where they should be. You, right? it you, feels you like, pick high up a, in the draft my, every year. You're going to yeah, have some talent. Do, like, Mike, I'm, Mike,
2: do me a favor. <clears throat> do me a favor. Breathe. And I'm telling you this because you're sitting there with two guys that are Giant fans, and everything <laughs> is going to be about... Giants, key, this. Giants key, that. key, I disagree with
3: it. You know, I, I am open. I am objective, right? Like, I'm, I am I get, not. I get. I know Max isn't. That's right. But I get this. There's a, there's a long road. Like dynasties are not built overnight. It takes time. I get that. I just want to hear the reasoning and the rationale of why you would do that.
1: Then I'm loaded. Then I'm loaded. I got something for you I'm too. I'm just
3: saying, like, don't you believe that
4: Daniel Jones, the trajectory, like we talked last hour about Justin Fields, if he plays well, Matt Nagy is probably going to survive and maybe be get an extension and move forward with uh, Justin Fields. Why would the Giants be different from a standpoint of you're trying to develop. You say an, you didn't know
3: if Matt Nagy should get an extension yet. You say uh, you're still waiting I, to no, see.
4: I, I wouldn't, but I, I, my gut is he does because I think I believe in Justin Fields. I always have, I think he's going to be a really good player. And I think the bear ownership is going to be like, well, if fields is getting better, why would we make a change? And I'm saying the calculus is somewhat similar with the Giants, which is, we know John Maris proclivities. He errs on the side of being conservative mm-hmm. and I'm sure, whether you guys like it or not, when they go into the room and the calculus is going to be Daniel Jones is better, we should be better on defense, they didn't play as well, but is it enough to blow the whole thing here's
1: here's my beef, and I'd like you to address this. Daniel Jones, I think, has a chance to be a high-average quarterback. I'm supposed to wait four or five years for that and thank the GM? You got me a high-average quarterback after half a decade? And then for how many years? Like, that's garbage. Anyone can do that. If you give them control of a franchise for four or five years and always picking high up in the draft, that means nothing, no credit for that, zero. Anyone <laughs> can do that. That's one. Give him two, no credit, two. Max.
3: Give him credit.
1: He got the job by saying... Hog mollies. I gotta fix the offensive line. I take a guy like Gabe Jackson. Isn't that a name Gabe the, the guard in Seattle? Guys like that are available every year for like a fifth round pick. How hard is this? We're in year
2: four. Because, because Gabe Jackson may meet and fit the criteria of the Seattle Seahawks I'm and not with the Giants do.
1: I want Mike Every guard, I have every the hot
2: guard seat. every guard. Doesn't fit every system. Every tackle doesn't fit. Yes, every I get system. it. Apparently, Mike explain. Apparently, to no. Explain to that knucklehead while you're in the studio, please. But, but apparently, no f- offensive lineman fit our system for a half a decade
1: now.
4: No, he's right. It is hard to get offensive line. Let me like. Here's a great example. I think Pittsburgh made a mistake. If they bought Roethlisberger back, they should have brought back Alejandro Villanueva, yeah. David DeCastro, and Marquise Pouncey. If those mm-hmm. three guys are going to graduate, Ben, you're going with them and running off into the sunset. It's hard to do it. So, to me, I, the offensive line, Andrew Thomas is going to be a really good left tackle. It took some time. Last year, we're saying, oh, Becton was the better player. Now, Beckton's hurt. Thomas is playing better. Like, these things, like, they take time to develop. I'm just saying that I like where Daniel Jones is. Talk some sense in the max, Mike.
0: Please. I'm trying. I am trying. It's not so, possible. Is, 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 oh, what?
3: Is, next year, is next year the judgment year? <laughs> No, there's no judgment year. Apparently, no, 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 no. I, I, it has to get to a certain point where you're like, "All right, like this is either going to be the year that we define whether he or is the future of our franchise."
4: But and, how how can, how can you guys? They have seven starters missing on offense. Like, how
2: can exactly you, how can you fairly evaluate that? You can't. There's no. I had this conversation with them last week. It's impossible to evaluate a team. With a bunch of broke down players, or the head coach, or the general manager, you just can't do it.
1: This is what I would say: if you're bad for ten years, you should have talent on your team. If it's just an, and, and then the healthiest teams usually are pretty good. Let's say the Giants were completely healthy; they're not Super Bowl contenders. So even if you took the health out of it, they've been bad for a decade. Ten, I mean, I mean, uh, we're talking about Mike. We're talking about a GM now who's in year four. With draft capital every year, and we're saying if not for all these injuries, they would be ascending to a decent
3: team? What? Like, someone deserves credit for that? I want to add to this. I just want you to know, Mike, this is my life, okay? Like, all this with Max and this whole energy. So even two days ago on a text thread, (coughs) our team text thread, you know what was discussed? Team text thread. The 49ers are in year five with John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan. They've gone 31 and 38 and don't have a first-round pick in either 2022 or 2023. Lots of GMs and coaches have been fired for records like this. It's Michael Davis Smith, Smith, right? If we're talking about that with Kyle Shanahan. Who's <laughs> been in the Super Bowl. We're talking about that with Kyle Shanahan.
1: We're not with talking Jay. about that with Dave
3: Gettleman. I know, with Key, I'm just, I'm just, I know, Key, but we do this. Every Jay, single. Th- Go ahead, Keith. Try to talk some about, sense into me.
2: We're talking about a record of a head coach, not a record of a general manager. we are talking about John Lynch and Kyle first, Shanahan. Who has first John Lynch and picks Kyle Shanahan. And plenty of draft capital. Players have been decimated. Okay. They just lost the Williams kid, uh, Rodarius Williams. They just lost him to an ACL that they drafted out of Oklahoma State. All right, so, Keith,
3: let me ask you this in. So, in your confidence level, 100 being the most confident, zero being zero confidence. Where is your confidence level in Dave Gettleman if you were the owner of this team moving forward?
2: I would probably say it's got to be, it's got, well, okay, so I'm thinking like an owner. Then I'm gonna probably give it a hundred percent because I gotta buy all in. No, asking, I gotta buy I'm, all I'm, in. Not ask, I'm not asking you I to transition it.
3: I'm asking, I'm asking you to keep the same Keyshawn Johnson energy that you always do. And well, now I'm the you're owner. the owner.
2: <laughs> if I'm the owner, I gotta buy in at hundred percent because if I'm gonna bring him back, I'm not bringing him back hoping that my ship crashes. That's why you'll be a good owner. I'm hoping that we do well. That's why
3: you'll be a good owner, right and there. And then I'm gonna right evaluate
2: there. him next year when everything is healthy. And then if it doesn't work out. He'll be working with you. Yeah,
4: the fans have to
3: wait for a half all a right. next year. All so this that's your happen. judgment year. Next year is your judgment year,
4: Key.
2: Yes. Okay. One year. You know what's all, just right. Me. year. all
4: right. You know what's just disappointing about this conversation? How do I get on the team thread? Like, you know, there's a team text. <laughs> thread. Like, can, can there be like <laughs> hey, a Tuesday Mike, team text? Mike, thread? You don't tr- be on this thread. Hey, trust it's me, Mike. Ending. You don't want to be on the <laughs> thread. Non-stop. Not because it
2: never ends, is because something might come up there that involves you as an ex general uh, manager uh, 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 and you may not want to be I in mean, that conversation about a few bad pitches I put my phone down
1: I put my phone down on a daily basis and it could happen on the weekend anytime I put my phone down for a half hour go do something 36 64 Sixty-seven.
2: It's like insane. Hey, why did Mike draft this guy back in two thousand seven? What did Mike think about this? You don't want to do that. Trust me. Uh,
4: maybe because I drive a Chevy Tahoe, I'm not eligible. I'd be like, I'm gonna be thinking about this all day long. Like, how do I get on the stretch?
1: Thank uh, you very much, Mike.
2: All right, guys, appreciate
4: it. Mike's sitting there like the defense well, attorney
1: you for. Handle questions <laughs> very well, brother. Hey, Max, a lot of credit. He credit.
2: Draft, Hey, Max, didn't he yes. draft Vernon Gostin? Oh,
3: oh wow. Oh.
2: Shot from
4: Keyshawn Johnson. Wow. <laughs> wow. Shot across the bow. Keyshawn,
1: J. Will and Max, presented by Progressive Insurance. All phone guests join us via the Goodyear hotline. Up next, how John Gruden's resignation could have an impact on the future of Derek Carr.
5: Types are what make prize picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Go to prizepicks.com/slash morning and use code morning for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepicks.com/slash morning, code morning for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize picks: pick more, pick less. It's that easy.
1: Yeah, on Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, we are uh, continuing to discuss the resignation of John Gruden. It shook the NFL world yesterday. The man who was all over it was Adam Schefter, ESPN NFL insider, who joins us via the Goodyear hotline. Hey, Adam. Hello there, Max. How you doing? Good. Uh, Good to talk to you. What ultimately led to the John Gruden resigning?
0: Well... I mean, all you have to do is look at all the emails, and it certainly seemed like there was mounting pressure on Mark Davis to make this move, and I know that John Gruden announced his resignation, and we could debate what did and didn't happen, and John didn't want to be a distraction, but John also had six years and upwards of $60 million left in his contract, and forgive me for being a little skeptical about him just walking in and saying to Mark Davis, I know that I've messed up, I know I've brought embarrassment and shame to this organization, but... Take that $60 million. I don't need any of it. So, again, that's a different topic for another day, and it's not the focus, nor should it be, right now. What's more important is all these emails that were uncovered. And to answer your question here, the first one came out on Friday from the Wall Street Journal in which to use a racial trope against the executive director of the NFLPA, DeMar Smith. And immediately when that came out, I began getting calls from people saying that there's no way that John could survive this, that it would sink the team this season, And then the weekend played out where, essentially, the Raiders made a comment and moved on. John coached the game. And it seemed like the Raiders wanted to move on with them taking care of whatever Mark Davis did in terms of discipline in private. And then shortly before we went on the air last night on Monday Night Countdown, you could tell that this matter wasn't over yet because I was starting to get calls that there were more emails on top of the ones that Chris Mortensen reported on Sunday that were in the possession of Mark Davis and that the NFL was waiting to see, waiting to see how Mark Davis would handle all this. And clearly the league, which announced on Friday that the emails that John sent about Tamara Smith were abhorrent and against the NFL's values. Uh, was waiting to see how Mark Davis would handle this. And when nothing happened, lo and behold, about an hour and a half later, here comes the next story from the New York Times detailing a slew of emails that were racist and sexist and homophobic over seven years' worth of time. And Mark Davis had been on his way into the Raiders building a short time before there. He met with John Gruden. John Gruden's out. John Gruden announces that he'd resign, not to be a distraction. And there you go. Essentially, a storied football career that included being a Super Bowl winning head coach, a prolific Monday Night Football announcer, the head coach of a Raiders team that moved to Las Vegas, a guy that had fame and fortune and everything, essentially saw his NFL career and in disgrace on Monday Night Football, ironically enough. And that's essentially what unfolded here over the last 72 or so hours.
2: I really appreciate you, Adam, because you are certainly the hardest-working individual in this league as an insider, no question about it, because I swear it feels like I just listened to you a couple hours ago and you've gotten zero sleep in chasing this horrible story. Over the last 12 hours since these emails have been discovered in Gruden offensive language and all the different things that the New York Times has reported. What has been the sentiment around the league and around what people are saying? I
0: think there's a couple of things here um, that are interesting to me. Number one, I think people are curious how an investigation about the Washington football team resulted in the fall and disgrace of John Druden. We started on Washington and uncovering everything that had gone wrong with that organization and wound up with the Raiders head coach basically being publicly embarrassed and shamed over a slew of emails sent over a seven-year period. That's number one. Number two, what people also have found interesting in the various conversations that I've had is that how could a man who has been so successful and so smart and so full of life, and so full of leadership and being an example, make the decisions he did to put what he felt in writing on multiple occasions and to email that out. Now, you could say the world was a different place 10 years ago, and people didn't know as much to put things in email, and that's fine. But this pattern of behavior went up until 2018. And certainly there was a different world here a few years ago than it was 10 years ago. And yet John Gruden continued to send out photos of women and make the slurs that he did and insult people ranging from Roger Goodell to NFL owners to NFL reporters. And it's all there in black and white, literally, for everybody to read. And what he said, as Booger McFarlane said at night, It's seen in the light of day, and that's what we have here, the fact that a Washington football team investigation (laughs) turns into something else, although that investigation is still ongoing, and how John Gruden continued to send documented beliefs that are offensive to so many people.
1: great Adam Schefter, ladies and gentlemen, thank you. Outstanding work as always, Adam. Great perspective. Appreciate
0: you jumping on with us.
1: Great
3: perspective, Adam.
1: Thank you, guys. Hopefully you'll get some sleep at some point today in the next 24 hours.
3: (laughs) Thank you.
6: Join 16 million customers and learn how the Wise account could work for you by downloading the app or visiting wise.com slash unsportsmanlike.
1: Keyshawn, J. Will and Max, presented by Progressive Insurance. The NHL is back on ESPN. We are thrilled to be joined by ESPN NHL analyst Chris Chelios versus Via, the Goodyear Hotline. Chris, are you there? There he is. NHL season starts tonight on ESPN and ESPN+. Here, okay. Plus. Chris, great to have you. Penguins at Lightning, 7.30 p.m. Eastern. Kraken at Golden Knights, 10 p.m. Eastern. Chris, good morning. What, what will be the biggest hurdle for the Tampa Bay lightning in their quest for a three peat
7: I mean, that's two in a row now for them. I, I can't see anything changing. They're going to have a healthy Kucherov. Uh It's all about them being healthy, uh, being motivated. And I think that's where John Cooper steps in. He just manages those players so well. Um, and, you know, obviously they finished third in their division last year behind uh, Carolina and Florida, but uh, it's so competitive now and, and just getting in and, and these guys, the confidence they have, uh, I think they'll pick up right where they left off.
3: Man, Chris, you got the Bucks, you got the Lightning it's in the Championship City there in, in Tampa. Where would you have them ranked in the Eastern Conference heading into the season?
7: Again, it's going to be a tight race. You know, Florida, Carolina, uh, you know, when teams have a tendency not to go deep in the playoffs, they forget out of Washington. So, um, again, it's a, if they stay healthy, I see them rated top, battling for that top spot uh, at the end of the year.
2: Chris, I'm going to botch these names, but that's OK. For the Penguins, both Sidney Crosby and if <laughs> Jeannie, e, am I saying that right? How do you say his first name?
7: If if Genie oh of of Ganny. if Ganny, of, of Ganny.
2: Uh, you know if they missed the beginning of the season I think anyway if they missed the beginning of the season recovering from off season surgeries how likely will the Penguins core have another cup on on the, another cup run left in them.
7: Again, it, it, it's tough uh, starting out that way. We saw Brian Burke last night in the lobby. He looked miserable and sick to his stomach, you know, with the start of uh, Crosby and Malkin out, and then the two guys are, you know, missing because of COVID. But, again, it, it, Crosby looks like he's pretty close. He made the trip. He's skating, which is a great, you know, great thing for them. Uh, some guys, Carter, they're going to have their hands full. They still got Latang, all that experience as a quarterback there and a, and a leader of that team. Uh, but, yeah, I think, like I said, they they come back. Uh, it'll, it'll be tough, but they, they've got to get some good goaltending. They had those issues last year at the end of the year with Jerry. But, uh, again, a, a very competitive team and a, a team that's capable of, you know, doing some damage in the playoffs and, and maybe being a cup contender.
3: Chris Chelias joining us, ESPN NHL analyst here on Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max. The Seattle Kraken, love that name, will play their first regular season game against the Vegas Golden Knights tonight. <laughs> Uh, How do you how would they replicate that same success that Vegas had in the first season?
7: I don't know if they could do that. I don't know if you've ever been to a game in Vegas, but, you know, the atmosphere, the energy. um, Obviously, the expansion draft, changing that up and and making teams more competitive uh, that join the league. Uh, I can't see Seattle doing that. I'd be shocked if they did it, but it's going to be great, uh, it, and, and it's great they're opening up against Vegas, uh, the other the last expansion team. Um, it, it, like I said, I'd be really shocked if they did what Vegas did. Like it, That atmosphere down in Vegas, the games, it's a, it's a, it's a show. So, uh, But it's great. They, they should be very competitive right from the get-go. So, Chris,
3: with that being said, how did the Golden Knights get over the hump this year to win it all? What did they have to do? <laughs>
7: Uh, I, again, they, they, it's going to be tough. They lost Fleury. Uh, I think he was still a, a big part of that team, a leader. Um, you know, the other goalies more than capable also. They, they, they've you've run up against tough teams. You know, Colorado was a team that had high expectations. But uh, it, it's, so, it's just, like I said, it's so competitive. Um, they're definitely going to be one of the favorites again. They play a great game. they got a lot of good chemistry and a solid game in all areas. Chris
1: Chelios, ESPN NHL analyst, three-time Stanley Cup champion, seven-time All-Star, three-time Norris Trophy winner. Chris, uh, the lunch ladies at PS41 from the early 80s, if they're still alive and listening, I have to ask this question on their behalf. (laughs) The Islanders open their season with 13 straight road games. How big of a challenge is that going to be? That's all they talked about, Chris, every day on the lunch line, complaining about the Rangers and the Islanders. Go ahead.
7: Yeah, I don't know about 13 games, but sometimes it is a good thing to start on the road. There's no distractions. Uh, you know, you get, you get away from the family, and, and it's just you guys bonding. It's actually a great way to start the season, but, you know, only time will tell. I, I think, you know, Barry Trotz, he's, he's one of the best coaches, I think, over the past decade or 15 years and had a lot of success. Um, he'll prepare them. They play hard, a uh, young team. Um, so, uh, it's, it's a long way. It really is 13 games is a, a, a long time to be on the road, but I think they're going to be fine.
2: we are an up-and-coming team, team for sure. What team could be a dark horse contender?
7: You know, again, Colorado, it seems like they, they lost their goalie, but they picked up another good goalie. That, that was an issue last year for every team. You need great goaltending. So I, I like Colorado, and again, Vegas is a team you know, everybody's waiting for them to take that step, uh, make it to the finals after their first year in the league. But, uh, like I said, Colorado's a team I, I, I really thought would be go deeper in the playoffs, but you, they're running into some tough competition, so... I'm going to pick them and then uh, my Blackhawks. Uh, I'll say my Blackhawks because I worked for Chicago, still work as an ambassador. Yeah. They made some good moves and getting Flurry, Tyler Johnson from Tampa, uh, Seth Jones, uh, and, and, and they just signed the kid from uh, the Islanders, Gustafson. So uh, that's a, they're for sure a, a playoff team, I would say, and, then, and one of those teams that could be a dark horse, dark horse also.
3: So, I'm okay, are wh- you giving the championship to Jerry Reinsdorf? I like that. I like that. All right, Chris,
1: thank you so much for joining <laughs> yeah. us this Big morning. Big game today,
7: that's for sure. Exactly. Yeah.
1: Thanks a lot for hopping on with us, Chris. All right. Th- thank you, you guys. huh. There he is, ladies and gentlemen, Chris Chelios, ESPN NHL analyst, getting you ready for the NHL season. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max presented by Progressive Insurance. That season, the NHL's, NHL season starts tonight on ESPN and ESPN+. Penguins at Lightning, 7.30 p.m. Eastern. Kraken at Golden Knights, 10 p.m. Eastern. Up next, why John Gruden's resignation will have an impact on Derek Carr. What kind of an impact will it have? Keyshawn J. Will and Max on ESPN Radio and ESPN News.
0: Thanks for listening to Keyshawn J. Will and Max, the podcast.